Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zinati Kuma. And joining me to take your questions this evening are Roy Mutoni from Sunlam Investments and Kyle Nodada from Old Mutual Investments. If you'd like to send those questions to us, please SMS 41392 or email us at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thanks so much for your time, gentlemen. I am so confused about what markets are taking in right now because yesterday it seemed that the U.S. markets had kind of shrugged off the good but interpreted as bad news uh, from the stronger-than-expected retail sales. And then today you get that producer price index coming in hotter than what markets had expected and that unexpected fall in the weekly jobless claims. And now it seems that markets are taking that seriously. So, Akaya, just starting with you... <laughs> What exactly are you gauging with market sentiment right now and what are they taking seriously or not? Um, good evening, um, Sinati. So, I mean, just look at the market over the week. I mean, uh, we've seen today resources have actually uh, recovered quite nicely. And when you look at what's happening uh, overall, the U.S. market, higher than expected inflation print, albeit... Um, reasonably close to what it was um, but it does look like interest rates are going to be higher for longer than what the market was expecting so that was um, the negative coming from the US side and I suppose uh, uh, the market thinking that a slowdown is due uh, in the US and to an extent in Europe whereas on the other side you've got some the positive news coming out of China uh, home prices are up for the first time in, in, in quite a long time and Basically, the markets look for any positive signs on the China side, while in the U.S. side, we are expecting a slowdown, albeit not as um, negative as it was a couple of months ago, but a slowdown is expected. So quite hard to make sense of everything, but looking through all of that, China reopened and the U.S. and the Euro side of the world are slowing down. Yeah. That's, that's where I'll stop. And with all that happening, actually, you had the FTSE 100 yesterday um, reaching a record high. And then today, uh, the CAC 40 reaching an intraday high. I'm not sure if it ended off uh, the day uh, on a record high. But, uh, Roy, you kind of get the sense that the bulls are knocking on the door. And do you think that they're finally going to break that door anytime soon? So, so the, the thing is, I think you have to look at the SA market quite separately from the international markets when you look at those trends. So... What we saw today was a lot of the Rand Hedge stocks coming through. Um, the big stocks, Richmond, Sassol, Anglos, BHP, solid results and a much weaker Rand just meant that there's nowhere else to run to for local investors but these big Rand Hedges. Um, and that's what's really driven them um, going, going forward. If you look on the outside in the US, the, I guess the whole idea there is the consumers are a lot stronger than people expected. They're more willing to spend. They have a clear, positive view for the future. So inflation is higher for longer. But that said, the, the Fed and all its, all its board members are all saying, actually, maybe 50 basis points is what we need. Because I think from a regulator's perspective, they, they, can, they, they can push rates higher without pushing the US into recession. So, so then the dollar's recovered. The dollar is looking that much stronger, and typically when the dollar is stronger, EMs should struggle. So it's it's a pu pull and push um, every single day. The bulls take a hold, the bears take a hold, 
because it's still very unclear and still volatile. We haven't found we haven't found a base. So yes, just as confused as you are. <laughs> All right. Well, also something that confused me today was South 32. Uh, there's actually a question here. What's the panel's view of South 32's interim results out today? Um, really seeming to 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 take a knock from the uh, commodity prices that have come down. But you had that rally of about four percent uh, on on the day, Kaya. What's that attributed to? So when you look around um, and all the resources companies that have come out with trading updates this week and um, um, basically uh, how they've performed over the past, um, up, up to the end of December, operationally, the numbers look good. They've performed very well, uh, but there's a sort of guidance to say there's load shedding impacts that's coming. All the companies that are are SA-based uh, in our uh, mining and resources space. Those you can expect to take a lot. But at the moment, operationally good numbers. Uh, some good news that we're looking for coming out of China, uh, or positive news. I think the market is looking for signs for any positive news. Uh, that is, will be good for our resources counters. And the rally that you've seen, uh, albeit short-term, operationally the numbers are good. There's some below-the-line sort of items you can expect from pretty much a lot of the resource companies. Um, but but any sort of the, the, the momentum from China uh, reopening and any sort of positive news coming through from that side, yeah. that should be good for our resources counters. Yeah. Um, just on South 32, Roy, um, could, mm -hmm. could also the optimism maybe be, they did announce a, a share buyback, right? So as much as we did yeah. see uh, yeah, yeah. The, the profits coming off, there was also a share buyback. And also maybe just investors just realizing that you know what it is a cyclical company and right now it's on mm -hmm. the downward cycle so so i think the way to think about this is when you saw the other companies reporting um generally production was down costs were up and guidance was either missed or or not on on or not not built upon with these guys you saw higher production um, their guidance has actually been maintained and costs weren't that bad. So, so I think from an operating perspective, stronger than people expected, production has continued um, and they seem to be in a good place and the buyback just underpins all of that. Yeah, all right. Uh, let's get to mm -hmm. more questions. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, let me get to Tiger Brands. Uh, please ask the panel if Tiger Brands is a buy at these levels. Um, yeah, Tiger Brands has actually been on 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 quite a run, um, even though um, it kind of has these uh, risks um, to the business. Mm -hmm. uh, Kaya, would Tiger Brands be a buy right now, considering how much it it has rallied? I think since about June, July last year. So it had a very good recovery uh, last year, as you've said. What I mean, when you look at the CPI numbers that came out and the very high food inflation uh, element within that, um, bread is up double digits in terms of cost. And it's going to come down to the ability to pass those costs on to the consumer uh, or rather to the retailers who then pass it on to the consumer. Looking at that and the margin pressure, um, you can expect some of the costs to be passed on. Uh, but I, I'm not going to say at the moment uh, Tiger Brands a buy, and yeah, I think I think I'm 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 a bit looking at what's happened with cost inflation and the ability to pass that on. That has been that has proven quite difficult, and the retailers have pushed back. The consumers um, have taken some pain, 
but they haven't taken all of that. So the ability to recover costs has been quite a challenge. So no. not at the moment. Not at the moment. Um, Roy, I would imagine that Tiger Brands has sort of a, uh, a risk discount attached to it because of everything that it has gone through. So as much as it has rallied and as much as also there's that worry that they might not be able to pass on all those costs to the consumers, would this mm -hmm. still be a good level to get in or do you maybe wait for it because it could come down more as Kaya mentions that um, food inflation is still at double digits. It's, it's, it's still accelerating. So do you maybe see maybe some more pressure mm -hmm. coming on as the challenges in the economy get deeper? So, so maybe if I start from the end and work back to the fundamental case, this stock yeah. is up 60% since I think it was June last year. So it has really rallied. And why did it rally? Because I think in the base, it had the lowest margins it's, it's, it's had in a long time. And they started getting to improvements, efficiency gains, and that sort of thing. And they were also able to increase prices, which supported margins. So they're going to give us a trading update, I think, in the next couple of weeks, give or take. And if you look at the base, that might actually be a positive trading update. But like I said, off a soft base. So the stocks really rallied. Um, food producers in this environment of rising inflation with no volume growth tend to struggle. Um, the likelihood of something either having gone wrong or costs being entirely out of kilter is definitely a possibility. I would say if you've had it so far, you've done incredibly well. Coming in right now, you're, you're, you're coming in on a lot of promise. You, you, you really need to see a big positive surprise. And, and when I look at the macros and everything around, I really don't see where that would come from. There is no volume. Inflation is really hard. Commodi soft commodity prices haven't rolled. Um, the only thing you really would be betting on is management efficiency gains. And, and those are few and far between in this world. I mean, just remember, you've seen the retailers talk a lot about um, load shedding and how hard that impact has been. Tiger Brands is a manufacturing business. We haven't heard what the impact is. We haven't heard about how much they've been able to wean themselves off the grid. Um, so I think those are the things that we'll be watching out for. So I, I would say if you've been there, well done. Um, if you haven't, right now would be a pretty optimistic place to be buying in. Okay. Uh, Kaya, just uh, still sticking to food producers. I mean, I know that you're worried um, about the ability to pass on those costs to consumers with the high inflationary environment that we're under. So do you completely stay away from uh, food producers at this point until we start to see a significant cooling off of that inflation? Do you maybe think that there are other counters in that food uh, producing space that, um, are, are, yeah, that, that are able to, to pass on those costs more easily? So um, the ability to pass on the, the costs is definitely not going to be um, easy because um, the food retail companies have actually indicated like they're trying to also recover their costs and passing on uh, the inflation onto the food retailers is not a, an, an easy negotiation. The one uh, food uh, producer I would look at is AVI. AVI has consistently managed each part of their business um, uh, to basically generate returns that outweigh the cost of um, capital for those relative returns. So it's one of those companies that's a capital compounder. Um, it, it, it consistently uh, invests back into its own operations. And yes, the 
cost of load shedding, I mean, we've seen it's substantial in the food retail space. You can only imagine uh, for a manufacturer how disruptive it is. Um, so you can uh, expect some of that impact. Uh, but ultimately, they manage their business um, very optimally, very well, and they manage each of their brands and continue to invest in each of their brands um, with, I'll say, the right amount of, of investment to recover their costs. And, I mean, they grow, they, they got to growing at above um, a real uh, GDP. Uh, so that's not very high growth that you're looking for. It's mid-single digit growth in terms of earnings. They'll pay a dividend and every, I'll say, two or three years, they'll pay a special dividend as well. They generate a lot of cash and they and they just keep compounding uh, in terms of return they'll generate for you. So AVI is my top, top pick in the, in the yeah. food producer yeah. space. Yeah, and on the face of it, actually, quite a strange uh, mix there, <laughs> including shoes in that mix. So, but it's, it's proving to really be a, a big uh, plus for them. I wrote just quickly before we go to break, um, would you have a pick, a specific pick in that food uh -huh. producer space? So, so food producers is, is a motley bunch right now. And like we said, like, exactly like you said, they can't pass on prices. AVI, fantastic in the sense that when they brought out the trading update, it was literally just the fish business. The INJ business, which made which made them struggle. Why? Because INJ uses a lot of diesel in its ships um, when they go out to collect this fish. So, so the fish industry is struggling. Outside of INJ, it's quite solid. You may actually see a special dividend coming through at year end. So that's the, that's the place to hide. I mean, the others are Astral. Astral's been in the news around what's going on with load shedding and chicken. Tigers we've spoken about. Um, Sea Harvest, Libstar, and all of those, all in the same basket. Um, yeah, I would hide in an AVI, and I would watch the others quite closely. Rhodes Foods actually could be interesting because they've got a big offshore business. Um, they've, they've been exporting a lot into Europe, uh, and, and, and that, that might be something positive. But yeah, at times like this, you tend to stay away from, yeah. from food producers. Before we go to more of the questions, I actually want to find out about Vodacom. They had, um, there's that rumor that's, uh, that's, uh, that, that, yeah, news or rumor that was reported by Bloomberg uh, saying that Vodafone is mulling options um, to unlock value out of its African business. And of course, it has that 65% shareholding in Vodacom. We actually saw that uh, stock price rally um, throughout mm -hmm. the day. Uh, quite a number of options that apparently are on the cards, including a merger um, of that business with other operators or um, a sale of some units, or even a sale of a stake in, in, in Vodacom. Roy, just starting from you, what are you thinking about the potential corporate action right now? So if you think about it, um, Vodafone in the last 10 years have had earnings going backwards. They've done everything they could. They, 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 they did the sale and lease back of the towers, they got rid of a couple of businesses and everything. They've tried to clean themselves up. And even the CEO left, and that hasn't helped at all. They've become highly geared, and, and like I said, earnings have gone backwards. Vodacom, on the other hand, um, has barely, well, they've grown earnings, but not by any significant amount. Um, they've also been very slow growing. They've been a good dividend payer to these guys, um, and they're actually quite important yeah. to Vodafone. They're about 25% of, of the market cap. So, so it's, it's logical to see 
the, the, the activist shareholders in Vodafone trying to find something to do with this big asset. Now, the, there are many options. The big one that we've heard is the, one, of the, one of those shareholders, which is Etisalat, might want to combine the Africa assets. That's actually quite a compelling thing because there have been six of the seven biggest markets in Africa. The only overlap is Egypt. Um, and, and maybe in some way, putting all of those assets together could raise could create some value for Vodafone shareholders. But the truth is, I think Vodacom is quite highly rated. I don't think anyone would take it out at a premium. And you'd have many governments to talk to, talk to there. You'd need to talk to the government of Ethiopia, government of Kenya, government of South Africa, um, and a variety of others. So it's not an easy transaction to go, but I can see why activist shareholders want to examine this way of unlocking value for Vodafone. Just remember, this is all about Vodafone. Vodacom is, um, I guess, collateral damage or the way they feel they can possibly um, create value. It, it would end up being, if they took out Vodacom, Vodafone would end up being a pure European play. And, and, and maybe that's a more valuable asset. I would argue it's actually slower growing and has less prospects. But um, yeah, in this, day, in this day and age, maybe the, maybe the activists know a little bit better. Okay, so so Kaya, would you say that this is a frustration targeted at Vodafone and that Vodacom is just the best place to be unlocking this value from? So as, as Roy has said, he's given quite a good background on, on what's happening at Vodafone. I'd say, I mean, this is a, a rumor that's come out, not from the company, but it's come out from people that are supposedly close to the company. And... To frustrate, I yeah, it's to put pressure on the Vodafone uh, board and yeah. to put pressure on on, on 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 that side. But it shouldn't be frustrating for a Vodacom shareholder um, per se. If you look at, you just need to take a step back, look at the fundamentals, and and see uh, Vodacom is a as 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 Roy has said, is a high dividend payer, um, stable growth, very defensive counter. And it's going through a transition now, looking for higher growth markets and in, in buying the Egyptian asset, as well as um, the CIVH um, deal that's on the table that um, is to be concluded here in South Africa. And as this business uh, continues to evolve, you, you must just focus on those fundamentals. And as the rumors come out, you can run all kinds of scenarios, but with the regulators um, and the governments and all the different layers in, in which you'd have to try and dissect those competition commissions of the respective regions. It's a long-dated, um, mm. it would be a long-dated deal, even if it is announced, um, as we've seen with how long deals actually tend to take. So what's important is not to forget the asset that we have access to in the SA market, which is Vodacom, high dividend payer, albeit uh, going through a transition. And it's a good business and a good asset that's very well run uh, by a good management team. All right. Well, let's take a look at ArcelorMittal. Will ArcelorMittal ever again reach the same highs as in 2006? It's been going through uh, quite a tough time recently. Things have changed. Um, the, the level of pricing, the, 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 the ability to export, the, it's, the, the industry has changed. Um, right now, the big issue is around sorting out their debt. And, and remember, there's also the problem about being able to use, um, how do we call it, green electricity so that, so that you can sell 
into the European market. So there's so many complications. They've shrunk themselves quite significantly. Um, their industry has changed. So I think the brief answer is no. Can they make a good run of what they, where they are right now? Probably as a much smaller business. But remember, it's a commoditized cyclical business um, that has no clear global advantage. So it's about costs. It's about being able to um, manage the costs right now, manage the energy costs mm. in, a, in a country where energy is, is, a, is at a premium. So no, I don't think they get back to where they were before. Second part of that question, uh, what would be the macroeconomic drivers to see that share again reach such majestic highs? Um, Kaya? Strong. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Roy. Okay, Roy, you're all right, you can go, it's fine. <laughs> Look, from, a, from a micro perspective, it's all about it's all about weaker currencies, global demand for steel, or even domestically, an increase in manufacturing capacity and manufacturing, um, ma manufacturing abilities. That, and you can well imagine that's quite difficult. That's, yeah. that, that's what they would be banking on. But a, a much more buoyant global picture whether it's China or other manufacturing bases, would be very good for them. Yeah. But I think the, the, the biggest advantage they would get is if you had manufacturing coming to the fore domestically. Uh, all right. And I mean, the only thing I'd add to that is um, the cost of operating in South Africa is becoming more and more expensive. And also the disruptions, uh, the transnet disruptions and getting the ability to keep exporting at the rate that you were. Things have changed substantially from um, 2006. And the cost of operating, also load shedding, take all of that into account. Is, um, it's, it's something to really consider yeah. uh, going forward. Yeah. And they get, they get most of their profits from South Africa, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. As, okay. as far as I know. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, well, another company uh, that's been in the doldrums, uh, please ask for some perspective on Marion Roberts. Uh, there has been some development regarding Clough. Is there a chance that the share price can recover? I know that there's some analysts who just don't look at Marion Roberts anymore. <laughs> uh, Kaya? <laughs> so, I don't have a very close look, but uh, I mean, we were discussing this on the team uh, recently. So, exposure to the Aussie uh, construction industry has proven to be quite challenging for our companies. If you look at WBHO, they had to put their Australian subsidiary into administration and stop supporting that business. Marion Roberts came out with a, a, a negative um, trading update regarding the Australian um, asset. And the, the problem is, is that the working capital needed and the funding, it's put quite substantial pressure on the balance sheet. And the market is worried about a, a rights issue, right? Uh, and, and where do you price it? It's not the announcement that came out today, uh, just for clarification, um, is not necessarily saying that they've sold off and sorted out Clough yet. It's, it's saying that the, under administration, they've been able to actually work out some of the assets that are within Clough, uh, the Australian uh, business. And it does not say exactly what the proceeds are, et cetera, et cetera, that Marion Roberts will get. So I, I don't think it's conclusive that this sorts out. Uh, the problems that Marion Roberts is going through. So as it stands, um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not, mm. I'm not that optimistic about Marion Roberts in the short term. Uh, all right. Um, quite an interesting question here. Is there something in the sonar that's good for our banks in 2023? Roy, can you pinpoint to? 
I don't know. I, I guess for me, the most <laughs> obvious the thing would be economic growth and sorting out the electricity issue, which is really the main challenge of the economy. Is there anything that you can pinpoint from the SONA that would be great for our banks? Your, your biggest problem with SONA is that it's delivered in a big atmosphere, big theater, great eloquence and significant optimism, but nothing ever gets implemented. And to, to a greater or less extent, what, 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 what's said at SONA stays at SONA. Now we're hoping for the electricity minister to come in and help sort out energy. Clearly, if, if things were to happen, if the, energy, if the energy crisis would be resolved, if there was significant investment that could be put into renewable energy, into, into solving this ESCOM problem, the banks would be great winners because they'd be more than happy to fund it, whether it's public sector or whether it's government-supported projects and all of that, the banks would really enjoy that. Your, your biggest problem is the execution has always been an issue. Um, and, and because execution is a big issue and because some of the policies that came out of there or some of the proposals that come out of SONA seem to be convoluted um, and, and not, not very clear as to their, their impact and their duration, um, yeah, the proof will be in the pudding. Yeah. We, we need to see the projects come out. We need to see the opportunities arise for the banks and then the banks need to respond yeah. because it's all about um, pricing for risk and advancing money to viable projects. Okay, we've run out of time. We have about 30 seconds for each of your stock picks. But before that, there's a quick question here. When are Steinhoff shareholders going to receive their settlement claims? Any idea? Just... No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to your stock picks. 30 seconds each. Kaya, what will it be? Oh, you, okay. Yeah. Um, so from my side, uh, a stock that I've, I've liked for quite a long time, it's British American Tobacco, trying to make sense of the macro environment and looking for something, uh, a stock that's defensive and also ran hedge um, is, 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 is quite good. It's delivering on, on, on their guidance and they continue to guide slightly higher as they go forward. Uh, the new generation project, uh, products are growing faster and they're getting closer to uh, breaking even. In fact, they've brought the targets um, um, closer uh, from 2025 to 2024 in terms of break even. And in terms of valuation, it's trading at half of what uh, its uh, close competitor PMI is trading at eight times. And it's a very high dividend yield. Um, shareholders overreacted, in my view, um, to uh, the absence of a share buyback. Uh, but I actually think the fundamentals and, and that business is actually uh, on, on, on a very good track. And it performs very well on the slowdown as well. All right. Well, let's get to your stock pick, Roy. Famous brand. Um, and I know it's a strange one during times of difficulty, but you can well imagine during times of load shedding, you want to go get your takeout. They control their supply chain. They control their distribution. It's a whole new management team there that's very focused on, um, very focused on operations and efficiency. Um, they don't even earn as much as they earned in 2016 before all of these problems. So I think it's cheap. I think you're seeing an earnings, a, a, I think you're going to see a big shift in earnings over the short to medium term. Um, and it's, 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 one, it's one of those that you can hide in. So, yeah, famous brand for me. All right. Well, thanks, James, for your time today and for your analysis. My guest, Roy Mutoni from Sunlam Investments and Kyle Tunodada from Old Mutual Investments. <laughs>